Diocese of Churches for the Sake of Others is pleased to present the C4SO podcast, a place to celebrate the voices and values of C4SO. C4SO is a national diocese of the Anglican Church in North America led by Bishop Todd Hunter. You can learn more about us at c4so.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the C4SO podcast. I'm your host, Ben Sternke, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Hunter. Todd, how are things going today for you? Good. Kind of kind of cool that um, I'm here today as a guest, not as a co-host. Yeah. Are you going to be okay with that? Are you going to feel oh, lonely without a co-host? I, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I, I, I'm going to be okay. All yeah. right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'll interview you, and then uh, we've got another interview uh, actually coming up uh, right after this. Um, because today we're starting this new uh, series, it's going to be four or five weeks or so, on church planting within C4SO, kind of a small little series that'll take up most of October for us. Um, Today we're going to be interviewing Brad Swope, who is C4SO's Canon for Church Planting, Um, and I wanted to talk today with Brad and also with Todd about our vision for church planting, our process for church planting, a couple new things with regard to church planting that we're getting started right now including a church residency program and a church planter boot camp or training. Um, and then we're going to spend a few weeks after this interviewing church planters who are at various stages of the planting process and kind of get an insider view into what planting is like within C4SO. But I thought we could start uh, here with an intro to this whole series from you, Bishop Todd, mm-hmm. as a guest on the yeah. podcast. Um, I know the C4SO began uh, as a church planting movement, Um, and continues to prioritize church planting as the best method of making new outposts of God's kingdom and forming God's people to be disciples of Jesus. Um, So, Bishop Todd, I know you have a long history in church planting. What is it about church planting that has made it something that has been important for you for so long? Yeah. Well, anecdotally, uh, Debbie and I were converted in January of 1976 in the Jesus Movement. And at that point, the Jesus movement was not entirely, but largely located on the West Coast. You know, it was Mm -hmm. kind of West Coast hippies. But there was a Japuza in Chicago, and there were were a couple. I visited that as a kid. Yeah, there were uh, were a couple of other places. I don't remember when they started, but it feels like it was definitely the same era, Mm -hmm. if if not the exact same time. Well, um, I was leading a Bible study at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, which was where Maranatha music and much of the Jesus movement um, came out of, although I loved Res Band from Japuza. They were one of my, like, if you liked sort of 70s hard rock, Japuza oh, yeah. was your, I mean, oh, yeah. um, I loved Res, Res Band, Band was your band. Up. Yeah. Yep. So sorry for everybody listening to this who's 20 or 30, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Google Not Res relatable Band. content for the uh, millennials. Yeah. <laughs> Gen Z's among us. So two or three of the guys who were a part of the the really famous Maranatha bands back in the day happened to be coming to this Bible study. And, you know, they would go out on tours and come back and talk about how all the kids back East wish they had churches like Calvary Chapel. And I just heard that one too many times and something just exploded in my heart that said, well, then why doesn't somebody go make some? You know, again, hmm. as a 20, 21-year-old kid, um, I was like really deeply existentially disturbed that, you know, people were dying and going to hell because they didn't have a church they could relate to. Now Mm. I'd probably put things a little more subtle terms in that these days, but at the time, uh, that's what I was thinking. And so the way you did that, it was kind of the default position. I mean, you either became like a campus minister or you started a band or something, or (laughs) you went and you tried to make churches that, kids could relate to who were just, you know, kind of sick of their parents' church and, you know, wanted to find some sort of cool church. So that's what we Mm. did. Um, I mean, that's how I really got the calling for it was, uh, it was mixed with evangelism. I wouldn't have known the term missiology at the time, but I know Mm -hmm. now that even at that time I was thinking about the intersection of gospel and culture um, so Debbie ended up, Debbie and I ended up starting our first church in 1979. It's a vineyard church that's still going and still about a thousand people last I knew. And out of that, we started lots of other churches and I ended up, um, helping to plant and supervising the planting of a lot of vineyard churches in the late seventies and uh, yeah. into the mid eighties. But now with a little, that's the anecdote with a little more careful thinking, you, you already used the phrase, Ben, it's the phrase outposts of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. 
Because I never think of planting churches from a branding point of view, like planting an Anglican church. I mean, we do plant Anglican churches, um, of course, because we're Anglicans. But to me, it's not mostly about a brand. It's about creating outposts of the kingdom, as you said it. That that the um, I sometimes get in trouble for this, but it's still what I really believe. So I'll say it: that the ruling and reigning of the kingdom of God is what creates the church. Hmm. And that the church then is the people of the kingdom. Yeah. And um, and so our orientation should never first be to a denomination or even a cluster of denominations or even a theological paradigm. I believe that the first orientation of the church um, should be the notion that we're the people of God, the people of the kingdom. Yeah. So whenever we plant churches, that's what we're trying to do. Like I tend to think of it as planting these like factories of kingdom goodness. That's one of my favorite mental images of yeah. creating this factory that will do the true good. Yeah. And, you know, in the broadest sense of that. Mm-hmm. And I also hear in that, um, Todd, a kind of a, a concern and a passion for connecting people who are far away from God, like church planting as a, as, as a method, as a way of plugging people into or connecting people to the kingdom of God yeah. um, and to faith and to the people of God, uh, that planting new churches is yeah. oftentimes one of the most effective ways to do that. Yeah, you're right. There's a great connectivity. I hadn't thought of it, but like the church, uh, the people of the church, uh, people who are outside the church and the kingdom, like yeah. bringing all that together is way easier said than done. But right. when it happens, it's amazing and beautiful yeah. and important. Yeah. What um, as you, you know, you've talked to me, you you've talked about this long history of church planting and coming to know Jesus in the '70s and all of that kind of thing. But as you look at the landscape, the cultural social landscape right now of 21st century America, what do you see as the unique challenges and opportunities of church planting right now? Yeah. Well, if you think of it, to use the old language of, and now it just went out of my head, Ralph Winter, to use the, yeah. the old language of Ralph Winter from, I guess this was maybe the 80s, late 70s as well, of modalities and sodalities. I think the challenge today is that while the church is normally rightfully construed of as a modality, I think today she has to have really solid sodality dynamics to her mm. because there are just so many... Uh, so many issues. Like when I was a kid, we could just sort of hand people a, a, a tract or an apologetics or um, <laughs> you can edit this. I was just going to say Josh McDowell, Rabbi Zacharias. Nope. Can't say those names. <laughs> so in the old days we would, you know, somebody like people were really thinking about what we think of as classic apologetics where Todd, if you could just show me that the resurrection is real, yes, I think I'd believe in Jesus. Or if you could just mm-hmm. show me how how does the Bible really work in any authoritative way, you know, I might believe in Jesus. Well, it's so different today. Today, the issues are, can you show me that the church at net, at bottom, is actually a force for good on the earth and mm. not actually a systemic part of human, human humanity's problems. Well, yes, that's a very yes. different starting place. Yes. And so I think I have to say this obviously quickly, that if I look at the issues of culture today, I don't think any church plant will either A, do well, or be doing the work of the kingdom if it doesn't, if it's not really self-conscious about having a major sodalic kind of aspect to it. Can you say, for those who might not be familiar with those terms, modali- yeah. modality and sodality, can you briefly just uh, highlight the difference between those two and what you mean by yeah. sodalic? So <laughs> what, what Winter was and his colleagues were observing uh, decades ago was that the, the, they called the church, a local church, a modality. So a modality by analogy would be like a city, um, like let's say Cleveland. And you can move to Cleveland with very little buy-in, very little focus. You're just a part of Cleveland, a modality like a city. But if you want to be in the fire department, or if you want to be in the police department, if you want to be an EMT, or if you want to be on city council, that requires specific training, specific focus. It's a very specific thing. And so um, so for Ralph Winter, now again, his organization just went out of my mind, they were doing really important work, very similar to Newbegin and later mm-hmm. the Gospel and Our Culture Network, trying to call the mission trying to call the church back to mission, and they were calling that missional activity um, sodality activity. Okay. Yeah, very good. That's helpful. Um, 
one final question uh, for this, just this introduction to this uh, episode here. What what are your so as you think about those um, challenges and opportunities for church planting right now in 21st century America? What are your hopes and dreams when it comes to church planting within C4SO? Like what mm-hmm. what would you hope for um, as you think about uh, how C4SO can uh, help to establish and cultivate these outposts of the kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, when I look back, Ben, church planning feels like a mystery to me. Like I remember, like literally, the founder of Vineyard Churches technically is not John Wimber. It's it's a longtime friend of mine named Ken, Gull- Ken Gullickson. Hmm. Uh, he was a Calvary Chapel guy who planted a church on the beach uh, in L.A. and he called it the Vineyard, but it was a part of Calvary Chapel, and then of course ended up being you know a whole separate movement. Hmm. And he partnered with John Wimber. But he was arguably, just for the sake of this little podcast, let's say he was arguably our best church planner in the beginning. Hmm. Well, he went to um, outside of Boston, and it didn't go the same way. Another one of our great church planners who planted a great church in Southern California moved somewhere to Florida. It didn't go the same way. And I only hmm. bring up those two anecdotes, not to criticize those guys. They're two great friends. But just to say that church planning is this magical mystery mystery mix to me between right person, right time, right place. Um, And if those things aren't all happening, even if you've been a a sort of a gifted, proven uh, church Mm -hmm. planner in other places, it may not happen. So that's what I'm always looking for. Like, um, who's the person that God's calling to a certain place and to a certain time. And I would wrap up in there things like the demographics of a place, the psychographics of the place, the missional needs of a place. Um, Like I can think of in the late 90s and early 2000s when a lot of people were trying to plant churches for postmodern people. Mm-hmm. Well, they were. That was. That's sort of a psychographic. That's not a demographic. That's a psychographic. Well, if you were really called and gifted to do that, you had to put yourself in a space in a city or something where you did have sort of intellectually inclined postmodern people. Right. So it's that's the mix that I'm always looking for. Is can we identify the right people? Mm-hmm. Um, do we suspect that they're in the right place at the right time doing the right things? That's the, I know that sounds really hard, but that's the mix, I think, in strategies and tactics and um, all the coaching and mentoring that we do and everybody does who's serious about church planning mm-hmm. really um, does not yield a lot if we don't get those basic things right. So that's what we're always trying to discern. Yeah, that's good. Well, very good. Anything more that you would want to say about this series before we dive in? Yes. Church planters are my heroes. Seriously, it is such hard work, and it's never been harder. It's harder financially now than it's ever been. Like when I was Mm. a kid, you pretty much knew within a year whether your church was going to make it or not. You know, you would have 100, 200 people at the end of a year or nothing was happening. And so, you know, think of me taking a risk at 22, no kids, just mm-hmm. this total crazy Jesus person. Yeah. You know, it was nothing for us to eat. We used to eat hot dogs wrapped in those really, <laughs> um, you know, like biscuits in a container. I forget what they're yeah. called, Pillsbury oh, biscuits. And yeah, we, yeah, would, yeah. we would wrap hot dogs in Pigs that. In and, blanket. Yeah, yeah, and have a little yeah. have a little Campbell soup because that's like literally all we could afford to eat. But we didn't know. We were having yeah. fun. Yeah. But now when you ask somebody with seminary debt, and to go start a church, and as you know, Keller yeah, and others yeah. have proven, it's now a five-year deal. Yeah. That's just a lot of financial insecurity to live with. It's a lot yeah. of it's a lot of tension in homes where you have kids under five or under ten. It's it's harder now than it's ever been I, in my lifetime. Mm. But I would say it's also missiologically most necessary because. The average church in existence is not positioned to meet the present cultural needs. I don't mean to say churches are bad or wrong or Mm -hmm. evil or doctrinally impure. That's not my point. My point is that church that was started 30 to 200 years ago is just typically not in conversation with the issues precisely of today. Yes. You know, of justice yes. and immigration and gender and, and gender issues. I mean, some of these gender issues weren't even on the table two years ago. Yeah. yeah it's, and it's what about sex? rapidly. You know, sex with robots and artificial <laughs> intelligence sex. You know what I mean? It's just, you could just go on and on and on. Political stuff that wasn't on the table even three years ago. Yeah. So to me, young 
culturally connected church planters have a lot better shot at um, doing the kind of missional work I'd like to see done. Awesome. Well, let's get into it then. Here is my conversation with the Reverend Brad Swope, Canon for Church Planting in C4SO, coming right up. Bishop Todd, thanks for introducing the series for us. Thank you, Ben. Reverend Brad Swope, welcome to the C4SO podcast. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here with you. Yeah. Once again, you've been on the podcast before uh, for one of our other series, talking about church planting, which is part of your role within the diocese as the director of church planting. Uh, but for those of uh, our listeners who maybe missed that episode or uh, forgot, maybe introduce yourself uh, just a bit besides directing church planting, which we'll get into in this interview. What else should we know about you? Yeah, I mean, I... <clears throat> I planted uh, our church here 23 years ago under uh, Bishop Todd when he was the national director of the Vineyard. Mm. So we've been in Northern California at one church since that time. Okay. I'm married. Uh, I have four kids, but I also teach. I have so I have three jobs. My other, <laughs> uh, I teach philosophy at a local Christian college. Uh, okay. So, <clears throat> so I'm actually Reverend Doctor. Reverend so, uh, Doctor, yeah, if we're yeah. gonna get our titles right. I love I all these aware. titles, man. Yeah, I'm I, sure you I, do, yeah. I'd like to keep adding titles. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Maybe what's someday next for you me. can, uh, like a, like a rev, a very reverend, perhaps in your future. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I actually have a little <laughs> website link yeah. that that gives me all the nomenclature in the Anglican world. So, like, whenever oh, yeah. I get lost, I, I, I yeah, go that's there. That's important, to see actually, to know exactly what, what what everything means, what the titles are, and. And what what it all means, yes, yeah. uh, very good. Um, we had we actually had a little excursus on one of our podcast episodes about uh, all the titles. Um, so, um, well, you've got this job in the diocese uh, as the director of church planting. When Bishop Todd um, asked you to help to cultivate and coordinate church planting in C4SO, what was it about the diocese or church planting or Bishop Todd? Like, why did you take the job? Why did you say yes? Yeah. What about this was appealing to you? Todd and I go way back. We uh, Actually, I was an intern in his church in Virginia Beach 27, 28 years ago. Uh, I was launched with a bunch of 20 and 30-somethings to plant churches under his direction. Hmm. He poured a bunch of resources into young leaders when he was the national director. This is when he kept connecting us with Dallas Willard and Brian McLaren and um, Nancy Murphy and Stan Grenz. He kept putting us in rooms because he was trying to prepare us for what he saw as the post-Christian wave hitting um, America. And he wanted to prepare these young guys to try to figure out how to be missionaries to that world. Hmm. And so Todd and I have gone uh, way back. We've worked together for years. I actually worked with Todd in C4SO before C4SO was the name of the diocese uh, for the ACNA. It was actually an interdenominal interdenominational church planting agency with a kind of Anglican flair for a season. And I gave leadership to him for that. Hmm. So he and I uh, actually have known each other for a long, long time. I hmm. uh, love Todd and Debbie and their kids. And so uh, we've been trying to figure out how to work together for a while. And about uh, two years ago, we kind of landed on this role for okay. me. Um, Kind of, uh, Todd saw that Chris McDaniel had a little bit too much on his plate, so we kind of split his duties in two. And so okay. I actually work under Chris McDaniel for Todd, and Chris and I work together on, he does adoptions and I do the, the planting work. Okay. Yeah. And Chris is the, the canon for church development for the yeah. diocese, which yeah, yeah. includes adoptions and um, planting. Yeah, yeah. And the reason I love the role is I planted, mm -hmm. uh, my best friends are planters. Uh, I actually have this little gift um, that God gave me about uh, 21 years ago, um, a little cohort of local church planners uh, just in our town started gathering, about five of us, and we've been meeting for 21 years every Thursday for coffee. And really? uh, wow. the ins and outs of all the, what goes into a church plant and then a church and then yeah. leadership and um so I actually think that, um, I mean, for me, it's, it's the endeavor, if you're called to it, uh, 
it's exciting because it's faith-filled, it's kingdom, it's ahistoric, it seems to work in every generation, it's cross-cultural. Uh, mm. Church planning is how the kingdom seems to move forward into culture mm. throughout time for 2,000 mm. years. And so it, to me, it's the, the thing the church is supposed to give itself to, is mm. to really see new emerging worshiping communities, because they're all contextual, they're particularized, they're beautiful, None are, they're like snowflakes. Uh, precious snowflakes, right? Every, so every search plan is a precious snowflake. I mean, I it's, love the, that, it's the God's honest that. truth. I mean, you could not, that's you right. can't, yeah, you true. can't duplicate it. You can't. Yeah. It's just yeah. a special one-off that God does. Yeah, yeah, well, that's great. Uh, this episode isn't. This question just occurs to me. So maybe just uh, it's a side issue because this episode's about church planting. This whole series is about planting. But um, you planted this church before it was. An Anglican church. Um, what um, what was that process like? How, how long ago did you kind of um, come into C4SO? Bring your, you know what I mean. It's it's one thing to kind of plant a an Anglican church. It's another thing to bring a church into it. But maybe maybe we need to do another episode on that. But I'm just yeah, I mean, about that uh, the, the, our situation is actually quite curious. Um, okay. I am actually designated as a missionary priest. To pastor oh. a non-Anglican okay. congregation under okay. Bishop Todd, I think there's oh. three of us okay. in the United States. I think J.R. Roscoe's one. Yeah, yeah, my friend uh, Glenn Packham, Glenn Packham in Denver's oh, yeah. one. Okay. Uh, so there's a, there's a, um, and the reason being is is our church is uh, was planted as a vineyard, but we're we're non-denominational. I see. Uh, we're very diverse. We're we're actually growing our Anglican imagination, and it mm-hmm. may be part of our future. But uh, right now, it's not a presumed close. Okay. All right. Well, that's uh, interesting, and um, I've uh, there's there's something very um, yeah there's something very missional about that. I think that is uh, is quite cool. So um, yeah, if you if you were to come to our church, you would recognize distinctly uh-huh. the Anglican nature of our our worship and theology. Uh, right. Though the person in the pew may not understand quite as much as uh, yeah 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 the informed yeah. observer. Very good. All right. Well, let's get down to brass tacks then um, about C4S, church planting in C4SO. I know part of the work that you've done so far in working with Bishop Todd is to, is to kind of make our planting process a bit more um, concrete. And uh, so there's like a uh, five or six step process um, if, if someone is interested in planting within C4SO. Can you just walk us through Absolutely. that process? Yeah, Chris and I worked pretty hard to rewrite almost everything that we had to tighten mm. everything down. And so <clears throat> the first thing that happens is if somebody's interested in, in planting a church, it's a phone call with me. We get okay. to know each other. We start hearing or listening for things like call and competency and character issues. And then mm-hmm. uh, assuming that that we both feel comfortable with that conversation moving forward, we send them uh, an alignment inventory. This is basically a theological treatise where we just kind of get them to think through big questions. We want to make sure that uh, in three to five years, we're looking at each uh, other and are happy to be in the same family together. So um, okay. so we really want to make sure that we're on the same page. We're, we're, we're not, um, we don't want to be misaligned in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, after that, um, assuming it's green light, green light, we do some, um, we use ministry grid for some basic church plan assessment uh, evaluation, we call it. So it's kind of a, this broad tool that kind of gets us into the conversation about the skills and competency needed for church mm-hmm. planting. Assuming we're really ready to move forward together, both of us, and it's green light for both of us, then we connect with the dean in the area where they would be planting. We want to make sure we start a relationship early with the person who ultimately will be helping to resource and oversee them. Yeah. And after the Dean, again, green light, green light, green light, we move into a formal assessment and we work with always forward. Always forward is a church planning initiative of the ACNA. Um, we work with uh, Dan Alger and, and Molly Ruck. I've actually worked pretty closely with Molly Ruck. Um, and, and a little bit later, we're going to mention a boot camp. And so she and I are going to be doing that together in November for our church planters. But um, we're part of a larger network of churches, uh, province, right, ACNA. And so we we want to we want to be good partners in there. And so we use them for our assessment. And then finally, we evaluate all that stuff and uh, as a diocese. And then uh, the final kind of 
green light is Bishop Todd uh, kind of connecting and, and um, kind of giving his blessing. And then we move forward into wherever they're at, usually a pre-launch phase of planning and strategy. Yeah. And then, and then some point in the next six to yeah. nine months, lots of stuff unfolds. Yeah. And I'm assuming ordination is sort of a, a, a parallel track there. In terms <sighs> yeah. Of- it's, it's actually not, uh, we don't ask people to be ordained before they plant. And, mm-hmm. um, what we do is we're actually wanting to see a plant form and form critical mass before ordination becomes part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So we actually have a designation called, uh, it's a licensed church planning pastor okay. that they operate under for mm-hmm. the season where they're gathering. And so then they work with uh, Trish in terms of ordination uh, process. So that, that can, it's concurrent. But um, it's not assumed. You can plant yeah. as an already ordained person, but if you're not ordained, uh, it's not you're not preordained before you go out. Okay. And the reason is is because anybody that's ordained is the responsibility of the bishop, and he has to care for them, right? And so, yeah. uh, we want to see these churches kind of come into existence and flourish, yeah. Uh, yeah. and then it's appropriate for them to come under yeah. the bishop's direction. Yeah, yeah, I, I think. Um the thing that I, I mean, I appreciate a lot about that process, but, um, you know, you have all the stuff that you'd expect where there's, there needs to be theological and sort of values alignment, make sure that we're going to be good partners going forward and not any of that kind of stuff. There's some competency, um, kind of questions that need to be asked and training that needs to be done. Um, but also I, I appreciate that this whole thing is sort of rooted in relationship and, you know, it begins with this conversation, you know, uh, with you. And it ends with, you know, conversation and a, a blessing with, with Bishop Todd. Um, I think that's, uh, yeah, that's something I appreciate about it. So I should mention, too, that the process I've just kind of articulated for you um, is specific to a, a period of time where we were getting a lot of folks we didn't know who wanted to plant with us. Hmm. What we expect in the future to happen is that this will even be an easier process because we're hoping that our churches learn to plant daughter churches. Yeah. And yeah. and in this way, it will take a lot less time to kind of get to know people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can work on competency stuff um, and not, not necessarily just kind of that initial relationship. So yeah. you'll also, before we're done, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the, our hopes for a residency yes. program. Yes. Coming forward, yeah. 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 That's great. Um, I think that's, that's one way of kind of sussing out a lot of those values uh, and competency questions sort of ahead of time and, and making sure that there's uh, appropriate filters, you know, put in place. All right. So you've teased those two things and we'll come back to those at the end of the episode. So that, that'll get people to stick around. Um, I'd love to ask you, and then we're going to do a rapid fire. We've been doing this with all of our guests, a rapid fire round, which is a lot of fun. We're going to get to that here in just a second. Um, but maybe for those who are listening uh, who might have, Maybe church planting is something that's, um, you know, piqued their curiosity in the past uh, or even now. Um, I'd love to hear from you, Brad. What are some terrible reasons to plant a church? <laughs> like, if you're planting uh, for these reasons, maybe like, maybe just uh, yeah. go, go a different direction. What are some terrible reasons to plant a church? Uh, if you want a job in ministry. <laughs> um, no, I mean, we laugh, but literally yeah. sometimes people think that's the, the pathway in. And that's the ticket. The other one that, that I think is a real clear warning sign for me is if, if you are having disgruntled Christians ask you to do it. Mm. Um, so th- this, this to me is a warning sign because I, I believe that you have to have a deep sense of call to this because it's really difficult. Yeah. And that call is the thing that carries you through. Hmm. And if you don't, if you don't um, have a deep sense of that call, that God will confirm numbers of times along the way. Uh, yeah. When you hit those hard patches, you just don't have the, the wherewithal and the stamina to kind of see it through. Yeah. Um, so I always, I, uh, I, always, I always think, too, that um, church planning is for plotters and not for sprinters. Hmm. Um, I always think about pilgrimage more so like in the healthiest way, like you, you, you're walking a long way through this thing. And if, if you're a sprinter, um, I know there are some models where people go and they, you know, you think about the apostle Paul, he goes, he plants a church, he goes and plants a church. That's a special gifting for most of us. We gotta, we have to have a deep sense of call and we have to be in one place at one time and work it out over time. And, um, that seems to be the healthiest way to think about church planning. Yeah, that's great. That's really helpful. Um, 
I mean, you've kind of alluded to it, but what are some great reasons to plant a church? What, uh, um, what are some good reasons? Yeah, no, I mean, I do think two things, that deep sense of call to it. But I also find that um, it's not always critique, but it's like there's something in a church planner that wants to see something new emerge that doesn't exist already. Hmm. Um, I, I know that as a, like, if you're a staff pastor and you want to plant, oftentimes um, it's hard to kind of differentiate between, yeah, I don't like the way this church does it. But the positive side is that like, there's something in you that mm-hmm. wants that sees something that needs to be expressed. It's not expressed perhaps in your current vocational yeah. place. And so yeah. like, I always like to think in planners, a deep sense of call and then just this creative imagination for trying something new, mm. something that's kind of hooks the soul and then they just want to see happen in the world. Hey everyone. It's time once again for the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight, where we highlight the specific ministry we're praying for this week in our diocesan cycle of prayer. And this week we're praying for Cornerstone Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, led by the Reverend John Odom. And he has joined us to share briefly today about what's going on right now and how we can pray specifically for them. John, welcome back to the C4SO Cycle of Prayer Spotlight. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, it does. It does not feel like it's been a year, but I guess it has. Here we are again. Time flies. Time flies in a pandemic. <laughs> uh, anyway, hey, what's one thing that you're encouraged by right now that's happening at uh, Cornerstone? So on the other side of reopening and gathering in person this year, we've experienced a lot of good growth. Hmm. Um, I try not to be overly impressed by numerical growth sure. on, especially for Sunday gatherings, but. One of the biggest places we've seen growth is in home groups. Home, we call them apprentice groups. Hmm. And so the number of people at this semester who've joined up with groups and the retention of existing groups is just really great. That's uh, great. And this semester, those groups are just practicing the basics, hmm. how to tell your story, how to study okay. a passage of scripture, how to read the Bible, or how to pray, hmm. and uh, how to practice self-reflection, how to have spiritual friendship. So wow. really cool to have, to see that kind of growth in... Uh, relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Especially people who don't just want to kind of come to a worship service, but people who want to, it sort of seems to indicate there's a, a desire for growth and that's, yeah, that's encouraging. Anytime that happens. Yeah, yeah. We love it. That's awesome. Uh, what's the challenge that you all are facing right now? So these may be universal, but mm-hmm. uh, we've seen an uptick in, I would say a kind of deconstruction uh, caused by fatigue. Hmm. Um, Interesting. I'm curious about whether other listeners relate to this, but on the other side of the pandemic, I feel like we've seen innumerable people who have changed in meaningful ways, even visually, just look darker. Hmm. And I, I sense that in part, this kind of faith deconstruction yeah. has its roots, in, their roots are more emotional or social rather than ideological. Yeah. And we see people just worn out by big cultural conversations and the evangelical, uh, you know, politicization of everything. Uh, hmm. So we're just seeing people who are kind of drifting, not yeah. on a mass scale, but enough that it hurts. Yeah. Some people that we love. Yeah. Uh, and then the other two big challenges I think are perennial in, in our context are some of the challenges of affluence. Okay. So I think parable of the sower, the hmm. deceitfulness of wealth and desire for other things. And then just people who are crazy busy yeah. and that kind of deconstruction and affluence and busyness are um, just seeing the effects of that more and more in our congregation. And we want to confront that yeah. the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely resonate uh, with um, some of those, some of those things. I feel like the pandemic has caused us to see um, some of those things as well. What, uh, in light of all this, John, how can we pray for you in Cornerstone right now? Yeah, so I'd say three things. One would be just unity of mind and heart, and especially with an influx of new people, uh, that we would Mm be rowing Mm -hmm. in the same direction. I think another thing, uh, following the kind of numbing effect of the pandemic, would be to ask the Holy Spirit to stir up fresh passion and hunger for the things of God. Um, And then thirdly, I would just say, uh, you know, a manifestation of the work of the Holy Spirit in our church. Hmm. 
and especially among middle-class educated folks. Um, yeah. We don't want to just engage our intellect, but we want to depend on the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So desperate for it. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today, John. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And Listeners, oh. I've, been, I've been really enjoying the gifts of Anglicanism. Oh, it's been good. a really fun listen. Yes, yes. Uh, thanks for that. I'm glad you've been listening. Uh, listeners, if you would like to find out more about uh, Cornerstone Church or contribute to their work, check out the link in the show notes. John, we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks so much. I'm just reflecting on my own experience that I, I planted a church um, a while back. The first church I planted was very much rooted in that. There was this new imagination, this new vision for, it was actually a, a church that looked very similar to an Anglican church, you know, it may, but it wasn't officially, you know, connected to um, Anglicanism. But I, so it's, it may be very similar to the church that you pastor right now, uh, Brad, this, the, the first church I planted. But that was, that was the idea that I, I had this idea of something that could emerge, this new community. Um, and I actually tried to implement some of that stuff in the current church I was working at. And it just, every once, I just kept hitting dead ends. I kept hitting like uninterested you know, I kept hitting cultural barriers that were like, this isn't going to work here. But I could not stop thinking about it. I could not yep. stop planning. I couldn't stop strategizing. I couldn't, like, it was just all I thought about in my spare time. And I thought, this this has to mean something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> not I, just that I'm OCD, but, you know. That's very, I for me, that's linked to call. There, I think mm. that's call emerging. Like, yeah. you, even though it, you maybe didn't think of it as this is God calling me to something, it, right. that's how call works its way out, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you you see something that doesn't exist. It's it's in your vision. It's in your imagination, mm-hmm. but you want to see it happen. Yep. Yeah, it was really similar for the church that I pastor now. I co-pastor now a church that um, I I planted, and uh, and yeah, it's very similar. So. Yeah, I think that's that's helpful for you to name that as as call emerging because I think oftentimes that oftentimes that feels like this mystical sort of nebulous how do I how do I know if I'm called? Yeah. And I think it's really helpful to be able to name in very sort of phenomenological terms. Oh, it sort of is like this. You can't stop thinking about it. Um your mind returns to it even, you know, even when you're rejected for it or or somebody says no or when it doesn't work, you keep coming back to it. I think that that, and I would just say there's just an internal yes, mm. I'm supposed to do it. There's just this, mm. there's just this yes that comes with it. I'm not sure I can describe it any better than that. It's like, yeah. uh, I know that I'm supposed to do it. And it's yeah. a deep conviction. It doesn't yeah. mean it's a guarantee it's going to work, but it, it does right. mean that's what carries you out into the world and mm-hmm. it makes you meet strangers in a coffee shop and ask people <laughs> for money and write Right, the, hub- the hubris of all that stuff, unless there's deep sense that God's sending you, yeah, it's uh, it's it's needed. It's really important. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm glad you said that too. We might return to this in the midst of this mini series, but um, like a sense of call doesn't mean it's going to work out. I actually know several church planters who have had a sense of God's call that they believe God did call them to plant a church that didn't go, you know, it didn't, it closed down after a couple of years, it, you know, the, uh, like that kind of a thing. That doesn't necessarily mean that the endeavor shouldn't have happened. It doesn't necessarily mean the endeavor was a failure. I think that's really important for people to hear because the specter of failure, right, is so, lo- it looms so large for church planters. Yeah, these- I mean, I, I, I think it's probably one of the, the things that I love about church planning and the thing that's so hard is that it's this it's this risk you're risking yeah. for the kingdom, mm-hmm. but we we know enough scripturally, biblically, in our own experience of how God folds everything in to the yeah. thing He's He ultimately doing. Yeah. And I, I also think I, I don't know. I've been I've been listening to a podcast by a guy named Steve Cuss, um, mm-hmm. managing leadership anxiety, and he he just talks about how leaders have to give themselves permission to fail, to mm-hmm. try things and fail. And I actually mm-hmm. think. That's probably good for church planting too. Like, oh yeah. I mean, wasn't it still a great thing to meet people in coffee shops? And didn't yeah. some people come to Christ? And didn't I mean, that, we can't call it a failure. No. Perhaps an institution didn't emerge, but whatever we gave ourselves to, if we were doing it for the 
seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? So that there's something about that. So if we go out with that imagination, then it's sometimes really what, what failure is about is it's our ego needs. And, um, and that's hard to separate ourselves from that stuff. But that yeah. doesn't mean God wasn't pleased with whatever effort we put our, yeah. ourselves into. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't mean the seeds we we sowed, you know, in that season aren't going to bear eternal fruit, you know, kingdom fruit. And so, yeah, I, I think that's that's good encouragement. Well, maybe yeah. we'll return to that theme. I think that's a really important theme yeah. for church planters to go into the church plant with, um, so that that's the the possibility well, I, of failure doesn't loom so large. And we'll also say that as you're planting, you have to keep revisiting. Like, I got to try new things. Like, I I have to be willing to fail even within the church plant, not just ultimately, but in any one season. Right. Because, you know, we're we're just, there's something entrepreneurial and risk-filled, and there's there's some beauty to it. Because, I mean, once Mm -hmm. you're kind of established as a church, you risk a lot less. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But there's something really beautiful about a church plant where you're allowed to risk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, you mentioned the Apostle Paul, and obviously had a unique gift there. But there's so much of the the Book of Acts is such, is so interesting in terms of just trying things out. You know, it's just like, well, we tried this, but we couldn't get in. You know, uh, we couldn't go to Bithynia, and then I had a dream you know, about yeah. the person from Macedonia Turn asking left, us to come. Not over. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, all right, well, let's try Macedonia, and then they they have a harvest, and or well, you know, they get run out of town, and you know, was that a failure? Well. You know, who knows? John anyway. Wimmer used to say, "How do you how do you uh, spell faith? R I S K." Yeah, uh, yeah, and I I think that's got a <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's right. got a good ring to it. Yeah. All right, Brad, are you ready for our rapid fire round? <gasps> yes, I am okay. ready. Have you been Have you been preparing? All right. Um, here we go. As a non anxious presence, non anxious presence. It. Here you go. Um, yeah, these are just uh, meant to be uh, really quick questions that you answer quickly without any explanation. What is the last book that you finished of any genre? Uh, I'm going to give you two. If you met my family, you'd understand by Jack Shinema and uh, Friedman's Fables uh, uh, by Edwin Friedman. Uh, I've been reading both of those. Yeah, very good. Uh, what is the most personally frustrating thing for you about church planting? When it gets too focused on gathering Christians, especially disgruntled Christians, especially right now as well, there's a lot of ex-evangelicals out there, and they they yeah. can be an important part of what you do. But really, you're supposed to be, you know, mm-hmm. I know it's supposed to be short. I could go on on that one, but it's like if you, <laughs> if you if you're only right, trying yeah. to attract Christians, I'm not yeah. sure you're planting a church at yeah. some level. Okay. Uh, there's something more to a church plant than just regathering Christians. Okay, what is the most personally energizing thing for you about church planting? Um. I've kind of already, I've already alluded to it, but that faith-filled naivete, just like, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and you're going to go out and try something. And then the the early stories that you hear, those early, um, those early successes that, that, that people get technical difficulties here. It's all all good. Um, Favorite musical artist for you right now? Who are you listening to a lot? Uh, Alt J, Avid Brothers, Madison Cunningham. Okay. Uh, I also uh, John Foreman. I was just listening to the song uh, yesterday. Jesus, I have my doubts. Have you heard the song before? I don't know if I've heard that one. It's, I like uh, a lot of Foreman's stuff. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's good. Yeah. All right. Final, final question of the rapid fire round. What makes you laugh every time? Ted Lasso. <laughs> I, I I can't get enough of it. I understand no, it's, it's so- crass, but it is. It's so I literally, good. it's the only thing I know that makes me laugh out loud. Yes, yes. And I, I, for our listeners who do watch Ted Lasso and have heard of Steve Cuss, you mentioned Steve earlier. Steve has some great Twitter threads that talk about the family systems implications of each Ted Lasso episode. They are unbelievably insightful. They're so And the helpful. podcast he did just yesterday and released is okay. actually all on Ted Lasso. All on the family it's systems an, and Ted family Lasso. System, it is, and it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. yeah, it's a great show and yeah. uh, good commentary. Okay, yeah. good. All right, let's finish up this interview talking um, about these two initiatives that we teased uh, earlier in the episode. Um, right now, for church planting, we've got a residency program and an upcoming training um, or boot camp. Um, tell us about these initiatives and when they're happening and who might be interested in participating in them. Yeah, the residency program does not yet exist. 
Okay. So it is it is uh, in beta stage in terms of us uh, building, hopefully building something that will launch in 2022. But the idea okay. will be is we're going to be hopefully doing some fundraising and then the diocese will have some money to partner with a local church to uh, for them to hire a church plant residency for a two-year time period. And the idea is from that residency, our hope is that a daughter church, they would plant a daughter church locally from where they're at. Um, okay. So we hoped to give more detail to that soon enough, but we're, we're, we're still working on the early stage of what it would look like. What's the training? Uh, right. How do we set that up to resource churches? So, but the idea would be kind of a third, a third, a third, the diocese would take a third, the church would take a third and the planter would raise a third. So everybody has skin in the game. Okay. And then that's kind of a two year commitment we make to each other for that process. Great. And then that person would, the idea you said, would they, they would plant locally. So they wouldn't like move to a new city. They would actually plant another C4SO church within the same, you know, geographic area generally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we would need to dictate exactly how that works out, except mm-hmm. for uh, it would be emerging out of the, that church would be a sending church and it would yeah. go with a core. Yeah. What we wouldn't want is a, 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 that that resident to go out like as a parachute drop. Parachute drop into yeah. We city. we would want yeah. them to go out with a team because the whole idea would be for that all the stats tell us as you, as you go out with teams and cores, uh, you your yeah. your success rate goes way 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 up. Yeah. So they don't yeah. have to move to the next neighborhood, but it would have to be something that the church really has a vision for. Yeah, yeah, and you know if th- that core probably can't move to a new city, so typically yeah, not. I, I think that's sometimes a great. Sometimes it can, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, but not always. I think it's a great, uh, it's a great approach because that also allows the planter not just to sort of gain skills uh, in the church, but also to develop relationships and maybe discern where, where, where am I called? You know, in this city or this, you know, geographic area. You know, what part of this city, what neighborhood um, am I called to, and how can I begin to even develop relationships there before the two years is up? Yeah. Yeah, church planning is is a lonely lonely business. Mm. Um, so the idea is we don't want you to be out there all alone. And so the yeah. diocese really is trying to be a resource to our planters, but we also would think that that relationship form with ascending church would be a, a form of being seen and known and yeah. cared for that would be ongoing that I think uh, creates a really healthy system. Yeah, it's good. So that's not available yet. It's not developed uh, programmatically yet. Um, no. But if you are, if that does sound interesting to you and you're listening to this podcast, just sign up for C4SO's newsletter, c4so.org. And I'm sure that once uh, that uh, is all ready to go, you'll get a notification about it. Yeah, they can just, they can just uh, go online and find my uh, contact information and we can have a conversation about it. If they think about right. wanting to be a resident, Okay. Or if they already want as a church to have a resident, I'm happy mm. to have those early conversations because that actually helps me. So anybody that's mm. kind of um, kind of in one of those two camps, feel free to reach out and we'll have a conversation. Awesome. That's, uh, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Tell us about uh, the, the training that's coming up here. So <clears throat> we're going to do a boot camp in November in Franklin. Um, okay. So... Um, Bishop Todd's going to be able to participate as well. I'll be there with Molly Ruck. We're bringing in what looks like uh, three of our church plants um, that are in pre-launch phase, which means they're they're not they're not public yet. Yeah. Uh, one's from Tampa, one's from Dallas, and another's from Columbus. <clears throat> we actually can take in some more folks too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be uh, in a, a spectrum of places. You don't have to be already in pre-launch phase. You can be <clears throat> interested in church planning. You could be. Okay. Um, so if, if you, you wanting to be trained and wanting to know what it's like, so they can also reach out to me, um, <clears throat> and I can give them more details about uh, what it looks like to be there, but it's two days. It's a Thursday, Friday, and it's actually the week of our national convention. So we'll all be together on the Saturday morning for our national convention. Okay. Very good. So that's November. What are the dates specifically for that? <clears throat> Excuse me. It's the 10th and 11th. That's a Thursday okay. and Friday. So you probably fly in on the Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all, we're going to try to actually stay in one Airbnb and meet together at the same place oh, that'd be and uh, just, okay. yeah, just have a, a great robust week together. Very good. And so, um, how do people find out more about that? Is yeah. Again, just go on the website. It's brad at c4so.org. Reach out you. to me. Yeah. Okay. Email me. And then 
we'll set up a, a video chat or a phone call to to see if it's a right time and place. Uh, if you'd like Perfect. to come join us, I think it'd be it'd be awesome. All right. Well, very good. Um, any final word uh, of encouragement for those considering church planting, or maybe for those who are currently planting and listening to this episode? Yeah, I I I just said this in the class I teach the other day. Um, when I was 25, I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm 54 now, I know a lot less, but the things I know, I know really deeply. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I know really deeply is the sufficiency of God for all seasons. Mm-hmm. Just that deep sense that you can count on God yeah. and that he's with you in, in that. So if you're planting or thinking about planting, the, the God really, I mean, the vision Jesus lays out in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 you really don't have to worry. When you're with God mm-hmm. in his kingdom, ultimately there's nothing to worry about. Mm-hmm. He is with you and he'll be sufficient for you. So that's a word for really all of us, I think, in some yeah. ways. We're always relearning that lesson. Amen. Sounds like good news to me. I'll take yeah. it, Brad. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for outlining this stuff. I'm looking forward to this series, being able to yeah. talk with planters who are at various stages of uh, of planting. And I hope people will be able to get a little bit more uh, concrete and uh, robust picture of what this is like and what people are learning. I hope it stirs the whole diocese, honestly. I, I really want to get all of our churches to have a vision for church planning. Even mm. if they can't do it themselves, I want us to be for it and with it and want to resource it because really this is where the life is. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we're not super happy with in terms of denomination and this is what we can all cheer for and hmm. get behind. So hmm. if this series does anything about stirring us to think more, pray more, wanting to resource it, it'll be a great success. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brad. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Ben. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the C4SO podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation email us your thoughts and suggestions at connect at c4so.org.